Welcome to Insights for Manufacturing, the podcast that supports the UK manufacturing sector. Hosted by Jeff Beecham, the manufacturer's recruiter. Hello and welcome to another episode of Insights for Manufacturing. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Tony Ryan, who is the CEO at the Design and Technology Association. So welcome to the show, Tony. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. You're very welcome. So I wanted to get straight into a, a burning question uh, before finding out a little bit more about the association. What challenges do you see in encouraging more youngsters to choose a career in manufacturing and engineering? Straight in at the deep end, eh? <laughs> um, right, okay. Um, I think, it's, uh, first of all, it's probably quite important to give a little bit of my background. Um, you know, I was 33 years in schools in education. And um, out of those 33, for what, 31 of them, I was either a head of department, a deputy head or a head teacher. Um, so uh, any response that I give you will be influenced by that experience. Um, yes. When kids come through, you get a fair few kids that will come to you and say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to work in the city with money. I want to. I want to get rich. I want to do this. I want to do that or the other. I could probably count on my one hand, let alone two, uh, the number of kids over the years that have come to me and said, I want to work in manufacturing. Um, yeah. And there's the problem is that that word means nothing to them. They don't understand. The majority of students will not understand that word. They, yeah, they know that there is stuff that we make as a country and they will buy stuff regularly, but they won't give an awful lot of thought to how it gets made. Who right, made okay. It. And uh, I guess our job really is as uh, design and technology teachers nationally, not the association for a moment, but teachers, is to give students a better awareness of why things are made the way they're made, why yeah. they're designed the way they're made, uh, what materials are used and why they're used, what machines might be used in order to make these things. And good design and good manufacturing makes the world a better place is the bottom line. That's what, that's the mantra that we've got is that you never notice something that's well designed. If it's well designed and it's well made, you probably use it for years and you might say, I love that thing, but you're never really going to spend much time thinking about it. Yeah. Where you will spend time thinking about it is if it's badly made and it's badly designed, in which case you will curse the day you bought it. Um, and that's what we need to do with with kids. We need to get them thinking in that way and we need to show them what's possible as well, because one of the beauties of my job is I, I get out quite a lot and I get to see uh, stuff being manufactured and stuff being designed and uh, stuff being engineered. And it's exciting where we yeah. are. It's exciting what, what's going on out there and the, the way that technology is informing that and progressing that. And unless you share that story with students, you're not going to get more than that single hand that actually says, I want to be in manufacturing. Yeah. So what, what's the best way then to, to get this message across? I mean, I've had a number of conversations over the last couple of years with different people, some of them within further education, lots of people within manufacturing and, you know, the, the schools, I think, have got a part to play. Parents have got a part to play. Manufacturing's got a part to play and various organisations like yourselves. But what's the best route to, to, to get to the kids and get the best type of message across that's going to resonate with them? Have, have you got a, 
a set process for doing that or are you doing anything differently to it to everyone else yeah i think we are i think we are i hope we are um we, we we've set out to do that so there's lots out there. Um, there are more STEM organisations out there aimed at informing students about the um, where a STEM education can take you. Yeah. Um, hundreds. I think at the last count, it was something like 700 different organisations out there working with schools in order yeah. to bring that sort of stuff in. <clears throat> I've got a very, very strong opinion that unless it's embedded in curriculum, it, it, it it's an extra, it's a bolt-on. And I've talked to many people in business who say, you know, I get invited into a school and it's for an open day where they're looking at careers and I get a table and I'm, I'm allowed to talk to any student that I can get the attention of that walks past me. Yeah. Actually, what I want is more than that. I, I want to share what we're doing because I think what we're doing is a brilliant thing. So I want that to be part of their education. I really want to help. We've got expertise that we could share with the school, but we don't know how to do that. Um, so we're doing a few things where we're trying to join up those two quite often disparate worlds sometimes of education and industry. Yeah. Um, and I know as a, an educator that schools are really hard places to communicate with. Um, that's done on purpose. You know, as a head teacher, I had a big wall up in front of me to stop people from pestering me from the day job. Otherwise I'd be distracted all day long. Yeah. Um, and I know as well, industry, so industry from the other end can be an unknown to many head teachers, the majority of which, if we're really honest, have gone from school to university back to school. So they've never been in industry. They don't they don't really understand it. And, and the, what I hear from a lot of people in industry is the only time we ever hear from schools is when they want a check, when they want money for this or they want money for that. And, yeah. and that's, that's a fair accusation. Um I think where it really sings and where the two join up is where you get curriculum work that covers what the students need to know, but covers in it or covers it in a way that excites them and that, uh, and that is real and that they can actually somehow get their lived experience to mean something to that. So, yeah, I, you know, that means something to me. I've, I've bought a product that's like that. So I understand it. Um, so what we're trying to do is, first of all, we act as that conduit between school and industry. We, we've got a program called Blueprint 1000 that does that. Okay. Um, and we join the two up. And we also uh, are working on some curriculum work at the moment. There's a website called inspiredbyindustry.org.uk, where we're taking real problems that industry are working on at the moment and we're scaling them down. So a student's 11 to 14 can work on the exact same problem. Um, and that then embeds it in curriculum. So it's not an extra. It's not a nice to have. <clears throat> if a teacher leaves, it doesn't matter because that's embedded in your curriculum. That's yeah. going to stay there. Fantastic. Well, that's a great way of, uh, of of doing it, making it feel real for the for the students as well. It's not all theory. It's a real industrial yeah. problem or challenge, isn't it? And that's a really important part of it is the, there's video <clears throat> in that content and the video is really important because I want kids to look at somebody talking to them from industry and, 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 and ask themselves the question, Yeah, wonder what that person's done to get where they are because I didn't realise that was a job. I've had so many kids say that, you know, designing, for example, engineering, 
manufacturing as well. I didn't realize that people actually did that because they've never stopped and thought about it. They've never yeah. really, I've never seen it. If you haven't got a family member that's in manufacturing, why would you? You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the sort of signposting and, and educating of people outside of the sector, whether it's schools, parents, the kids themselves, um, trying to get other people into the sector, unless you're in it, as you said at the start, you're oblivious. You know, we all we all use, uh, see, feel and touch things every day that have been through a manufacturing or engineering process. And that's, to me, that's such a simple thing. But I've, I've been in and around manufacturing or engineering for over 30 years so it's it's a no-brainer but it as you say if if that's not if you're not from that sort of background you take it for granted it's just like i, I and we we all take certain things for granted if we're not totally in the know about it so it's um it's not just about getting the word out though is it it's it, you've got to send that message out um in the right fashion to hit the right sort of chords with the youngsters as you say make it relevant to them make it exciting it's also about sparking their own curiosity isn't it i think that's what design and technology is all about it's it's yeah. um, if you think if you think when you're really small uh if you've got a three-year-old that, that you've taken out for a day you're going to be bored answering the question why you know, they'll, they'll be like, why is that that colour? Why is the sky blue? Why are we getting there? Why are we doing that? And by the time you're 14 or 15, if you're not careful, you stop asking why. You just accept that that's how it is. Yeah. And what we want to do in designer technology is we want a sort of perpetual sense of curiosity where students are constantly asking, why is it designed like that? Why is it made that way? Well, you know, yeah. why do they use that material? That doesn't seem to make sense to me. Um and if they're thinking like that, the very worst you're going to get is you're going to get some really picky consumers that will be very careful about what they buy. And yep. one of the questions they should be asking themselves right right from, from day one is, at end of life, where does this end up? Does it end up in landfill? If, if so, do I really need it? Um, and then at the other end of it, you're going to get kids that will go that step further and start thinking, I wonder if I could work in that sector. I wonder if I could yeah. find out a little bit more about that because that's something that really flicks a switch for me it intrigues me so yeah there's a scale of of, uh, of where you are with it but that's what dnt is all about basically yeah absolutely so what uh, i mean just giving a, a, a sort of brief breakdown of of your services the dta what are you so you're you're, you're engaging with schools educational institutions you know promoting careers in manufacturing for somebody that isn't familiar with your organization how would you sort of describe what you do and the different sort of um services that you provide have you got like a you know there must be sort of bandwidth there for different things different approaches different topics how, how would you sort of educate somebody that's not familiar with what you do let me try and give you a very succinct answer to that i mean we we, we were we were created in 1989 yeah. uh we are a charity um and our function as a charity initially when it was set up was to support the subject of design and technology in schools nationally. So we were focused completely at schools. We weren't focused on industry very much at all. Um, I came in six years ago and I must admit as a head teacher and as a deputy, uh, I always, uh, and this is a chip on my shoulder. I didn't get school. School made no sense to me. And the reason it made no sense to me is nobody told me why I was learning what I was learning. 
it's like you've got to learn this maths learn pythagoras's theorem well why you know and, that, and for me that was a question that was big for me why am i learning this what what use is that going to be if somebody had sat down and said actually all you're learning with pythagoras is you're learning how to solve a problem and you're going to solve lots of problems over the course of your life i'd have probably engaged with it 50 percent more but yeah that wasn't the school the type of school that existed in those days it was like learn that do that exam bang there you go um what we're trying to do is um, look at a different form of education. We want in, our, in design and technology, you want students that are going to learn how to design. They're going to question why things are made the way they're made. They're yeah. going gonna to question the cost of it. You know, why <laughs> does it cost that much money? How much profit is coming out of that for somebody? And am I happy with that? Um, so there's three things we're doing. First of all, we are still focusing on schools. We're still working with teachers in schools. And we've got 20% of all schools in the country are members of us at the moment at primary level. And okay. at secondary level, we're pushing nearly 60% of schools uh, are, are members. Even where we have not got membership in schools, we've got access to schools. So okay. through the design and technology department or through a teacher that's got responsibility for it, we will have access. So yeah. we have access to nearly every school in the country. Um, and then, as I mentioned, those, those two things previously, the other two things we're trying to do, I came in with very much a view that we need to connect with industry and we need business and industry working with us. Um, there's all sorts of reasons for that, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a moment. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> the only way that's going to work is if we work as a, a conduit between the two. So that's what Blueprint is all about, is, is that we... We try and join it up. So a company will, will, will look to us and say, look, we're doing a little bit of work with schools at the moment, but we'd like to do a little bit more. Yep. Drivers for that might be talent acquisition, where some companies are saying, we're just not getting kids applying to us that, that we, we want more. So talent acquisition could be one. Um, diversity could be another that, you know, all the kids that apply to us are from the same background. Yeah. And actually we want some kids from other backgrounds to apply. So let's get into some different schools where you're going to get some diversity or it could be corporate social responsibility where uh, there's a budget there and they just think, well, you know, we want to make a difference with socially economic hard hit schools, for example, yeah. we can help them with that. So there's that side of it. Um, and the first thing we do with any company that comes on board is we sit down and say, what do you want to achieve in 12 months time? What does success look like to you? And one company that joined us recently said, well, we're, we're based in Leicestershire. We just want to work with schools in and around where we are. And we want maybe 15 schools to engage with us over the course of the next year. Yeah. So we'll write that out. Memorandum of understanding. That's what we're going to achieve. There is a cost for it. It's, it's uh, 3,800 quid. And then that pays us basically to work on their behalf, to do the join up and to make sure that it yeah. works. We don't just do it and then walk away either. We stay with it. We make sure that it, that it, fulfills everything that it's promised right at the start um the inspired by industry stuff is new it's the the first projects went out in september okay yeah uh, and that's got that's got a whole new uh that's got a whole different purpose to it what we're trying to do is change the nature of the work that kids are doing at school um if anyone's watching this listening to this now that remembers design and technology when they were at school they probably remember making something it was a uh, a pencil case, a clock, or whatever it might be. Yeah. We've got to become about more than the making. The making is important. Um, it's an important part of our subjects. But I would say more important is 
you're not making it for yourself. You're not making it for fun. You're making it for somebody else. So you've got to have empathy with that person that you're making it for. Yeah. You've then got to work out, okay, what's my budget? How much have I got to make it to? That cuts certain materials out. It cuts certain manufacturing processes out. That only works if you understand the manufacturing processes. If you know yeah. what a lathe does, you know what a mill does, you know what a vacuum former does. So we're trying to inform the kids to make informed decisions as they come through, making products to solve problems that exist that are real out there in the world. So as an organization, we're working with schools, but increasingly we're trying to join up that school industry link. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you about how the, the DTA sort of works with educators to ensure that the, 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 the curricula is fit for purpose not just for the kids education but it, it's gonna it's gonna actually provide people coming out of school that are going to be a little bit more fit for purpose going into industry at entry level in the first place so i think that probably what you just said sums that up doesn't it you're you're working with who who are you working with to to make these changes to the to the sort of curricula is it is it the department of education or or how's that sort of working yeah, we work we work with the department, and uh, we we we're working quite closely with the Department for Education at the moment because design yeah. and technology. It might surprise people to learn that you know at our peak we had four hundred and thirty thousand GCSE entries. Yeah, um, and that was two thousand and three. Uh, we're now down to seventy eight thousand last year. Um, That's so a huge drop. Yeah, it's massive. It's massive, and and there's all sorts of reasons for that. There's a lack of subject specialists in school. Hmm. probably about four times more expensive to deliver design and technology than it is for example geography um yeah. so if you are short a budget in school then that's a department that you might think well we can't afford it hmm. um, also it might surprise people to know that as an as an academy which is 80 percent of all secondary schools in the country now you have complete jurisdiction over what you deliver other than maths science and english yeah so any other subject you deliver, you can drop. And if you can make a case to Ofsted that this wasn't important for your students, then you're probably going to get away with it with Ofsted. So yeah. a number of schools are no longer delivering design and technology, which means that I'll, I'll give you a real example. I was in a university a short while ago and there was a load of kids around a pillar drill using a pillar drill. I think it was about, I say kids, they weren't kids. They were 17 years old, 18 years old. They were asked which way around the drill went, and the guy that was doing the construction was only joking, but not one of them around that pillar drill knew which way to put the drill bit in the machine. They didn't know. They'd not experienced that at school. Yeah. And that's where we're at now. If we don't make this subject more prominent in schools, you're going to find that the whole first or second year of an apprenticeship is going to have to change because you're teaching basic stuff that you would have otherwise assumed would be there. Yeah. Well, we really don't need that as an industry or as or as an economy, do we? I mean, you know, manufacturing needs to grow. We need to be making more stuff. We've already got a skills crisis, but if if things like that, if the basics are actually going backwards, uh, that's a much worse scenario than I than I was even aware of. So that that's been a a bit of an eye opener, really. I mean, crikey, education department need to uh, yeah be a little bit more aligned with the um, with the industrial people and the you know the the top decision makers in government um 
because we need it. We need it as an economy, don't we? We need these basic skills. Also, there's um, you know, we we have a we have a mental health crisis with young yeah. people at the moment, and I'm not saying this is the sole reason for doing it, but actually, there's a real joy in making something. There's a real, uh, you know, making something, creating something from nothing, um, is good for your head. Yeah, yeah. And, and and using your hands and your head together is is uh is something that I think we should be teaching all young people, even if they then go on and work in finance or whatever it might be. Um, it's not wasted time. It's not wasted energy. These skill sets will stay with them for the rest of their life. Um, yeah. And and that's another reason to teach it. You know, we, I accept that we are not the purpose of education is not to turn out kids that are going to go into manufacturing engineering design whatever it might be are ready to go you know they haven't got the education that allows them to then just step in and do a job there's going to be a process 16 to 18 or post 18 that's going to fine-tune those skills yeah but the basics should be there and, and and a student should be, have a sense of curiosity, which we said earlier, yeah. which makes them want to find out more and learn more um, and makes them not afraid to make a mistake. That's the other thing that I'm going to, you know, because I think we have a, an education system that is risk adverse. Yeah. And therefore, kids are afraid to make a mistake. And actually, if yeah. you're making anything, you and I both know you're going to need to mess it up a number of times before you get it right. Yeah. And that's not terminal. That's just part of the process. That's how yeah. you learn. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing we're trying to do in design <clears throat> and technology is, is make failing okay. Mate, you know, I actually don't want to call it failing. I want to call it learning. You know, it's, yeah, it's, absolutely. I did something. It didn't work. I learned a load from it. And when I do it next time around, it'll be better. Well, that, that's applicable to any any job isn't it any or anything in life really you know we're all human we make mistakes but as long as you learn from them that's part of your development it makes us better better at whatever it is we're trying to do so uh yeah huge fan of that so how, yeah. how does the how does the design and technology association actually collaborate with a manufacturing organization or an engineering business to you know to help bridge that gap between where the education bit finishes and what the industry needs are we're working increasingly now with universities so we've reached out to universities and said okay we've re recognized the gap that we work 11 to 18 in schools yeah students will do their a levels and then we'll leave or b techs or whatever it might be they will then leave and some will go to university um but we then sort of let go at that stage and then we pick up again at industry and we, we we've decided that as an organization we need to be more involved in in uh, that middle stage of university itself so yeah we're working with manufacturing with a couple of universities the beauty there is that um universities are covering skill sets that the schools can't cover they struggle to cover so we've got one uni in london at the moment their thing is material science and mm. the schools in and around them struggle with that. So right. we're, we're getting the teachers into evening sessions in the university to learn the material science that they can then bring back to the students in school. Yeah. So we are a join up there with, with that, but we also reach out and we just say, look, we want to, <laughs> we want to work with you. Um, we want to embed you in schools, whether that's nationally. We've got a couple of partners that have just said we want to work right away across the country. 
and we want to hit as many schools as possible, fine, we can do that. That might be a competition. That might be uh, a resource that we push out to schools that you help us create. Yeah. Um, or then we got one employer that is uh, based near Bristol and they've just said, you know, we're, we're quite happy to open our doors once a year for teachers. And if we can bring teachers in here and show them what we do and show them how we do it, yeah. Can you can you get us 24 to 27 teachers that would be interested in learning the manufacturing process as we see it? Yeah. Um now that 24 27 I could fill that twice every year because we've got teachers that are crying out for that at the moment that are saying I don't really understand it but this is part of the syllabus this is what I've got to teach. A day there would yeah. really make the difference to me. So there's a number of different ways Jeff that we do it but uh, the it's important to us to do so absolutely and you know I, th I think if you know if you're if you're if you're teaching anything you, you you've got to have a a certain level of of knowledge and expertise about the topic haven't you and it, teachers i'm not bemoaning teachers they, they do a great job in the main but something you know if you've got a, a, a technical topic and let's face it some of the some of the manufacturing you know engine engineering principles some of those haven't changed for you know 100 years you know some of the the sort of physics behind it and the calculations or what have you but the the manufacturing processes are changing all the time but you know this you know look at the last 20 years automation and robotics and things like that you know it wasn't too far ago in 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 history that cad was a new thing you know look at that side of things that's come on so so fast now we've got ai and Technology and, and manufacturing and engineering processes are moving at pace. We've got advanced materials. We've got, you know, additive manufacturing. Yeah. Um, I think it's great for the teachers to, you know, to get to grips with some new things. And, you know, if, if they're saying, well, we're, we're teaching this in the in the syllabus, but not really up to speed with it. I mean, that's that's never right, is it? You can't do you can't do that from a book. You can't read a book and then go and teach a class. You know you've got to see it. You've got to feel it. You've got to talk yeah. to people that are involved in it. And the closer you can get to it, the more real that experience is going to be for the students. And believe yeah. me, when you've got 25, 14 year olds in front of you, if you don't know what you're talking about, they smell that within thirty <laughs> seconds, and you're in trouble. So yeah, you, absolutely, you do, you do need to know. Um, but uh, you're right, our subject moves so fast. I mean, I, let me give you a quick example. We, we've we brought um, 3D printers into 36 primary schools at the moment on a loan basis. Yeah. And we've said to the primary coordinator, DNT, you've got six weeks with this machine. It comes into school. We'll give you a whole load of learning materials beside it. Um, we'll give you a video of how to get it out of the box on the table and do your first print because they're frightened of, of something new that they've not seen before. Yeah. And at the, end, at the end of the six weeks, if you don't like it, just pack it up and send it back. Uh, and you've lost nothing. Now we've got schools queuing up for this at the moment because we've got about 24. The other option at the end of the six weeks is you purchase the machine at, at a reduced rate. Yeah. Because you see that it's going to have a place in your curriculum. 24 out of 36 have stuck. And, and that's because you got primary kids and the problem we give them is a real simple one you know everyone blowing bubbles in a, in a little a little bubble bottle everyone loves to do that the challenge we give them is you've got to blow the biggest bubble possible and that comes through the size and the shape of the end of the bubble blower yeah so you've got you've got a 3d print your bubble blower and the other thing is when you turn it upside down all the mixture comes down the stick and all over your fingers and you get all sticky fingers 
design something on that stick that's going to slow that process of that fluid getting down onto your fingers. Yeah. It's a sort of dual problem. Now, the kids love it because they're blowing bubbles, trying it. It didn't work. My mate's was much better than mine, so I'm going to go back and design it again now. Then yep. I'm going to 3D print it again. There is a magic. I must admit, I've seen it a million times, yet every time I see a 3D printer at work, I'm sort of slightly... You know, the jaw drops a little bit. It's yeah. still a bit of a magic to it. So if yeah. you've never seen that before and you're nine years old, that is like a magician coming to school. That is just amazing. And they make this and then they, they produce it. And at the end of the six weeks, most of the schools are saying, I'm not letting that go now. That's an essential part of our curriculum. Yeah. If we can teach kids at that level, at nine years old, how to use a 3D printer and how to iterate a design, just imagine what you could do with a 14, 15-year-old if you progress that forward. Absolutely. Well, I was going to ask you about the, you know, the overall attraction and and, and retention of talent in, in manufacturing. I think if you're using more modern kit, equipment, you know, and 3D printers are probably, that's the hot, the hot spot at the moment, isn't it? You know, additive manufacturing, um, it's so, I mean, I, I just find it fascinating. Uh, they've been around for a while, probably, I don't know, probably over 15 years, you know, they were first used, I think, in rapid prototyping and stuff like that. But, you know, you, you can buy them now for, I don't know, what, four, five, six hundred quid and have, well, have one at home even. Um, yeah, less than that. And um, the, the CAD as well is free to schools. So Right, okay. You've got the big manufacturers of CAD, the big, the big uh, software houses, I'm making it free to educators. So, yeah. and and also it's quite intuitive. So you've got primary school kids that are designing these things on CAD, linking it to a 3D printer yeah. and joining the processes up. And that's why we've got to change at Key Stage 3 because, you, you know, you imagine a primary school student does that and loves that. And then the first thing they do when they go to secondary school is they make a pencil case out of wood. Um, and and you're like, I'm going backwards. I've, yeah. I've, about five years ago yeah. um so we we've got to keep pushing we've got to keep stretching and if we keep doing that we're going to have some pretty switched on 17 18 year olds that are going to think do you know what i want to work in this sector i want to i want to do it because it's exciting it moves fast yeah and 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 that excites kids you know where where they can i i talk about my boy because my boy is he's, he's like he's 24 now he's just come back from university He's not bothered about money. There's this fallacy that kids of his generation, they just want more money. He said, look, I've come back from university. I've worked quite hard. I've got a good degree. I want to start on maybe 24 grand. Um, he said, but more important to me is at the end of the week, I actually feel that I've done something worthwhile. Yeah. And that's where most kids are. They, yeah, they want a fair wage, but they want to feel they're making a difference. It's purpose, I, was to say, if I was to say one thing to manufacturing companies, you know, how are you getting that message to schools, to kids that through working for your company, they can go home at the end of every week and they can hand on heart say, I made a difference this week. Yeah. Because that's the, that's the golden piece of advice I would give. Absolutely. And I mean, that's just exciting listening to listening to you say that because, you know, there are so many applications and, um, you know, industrial sectors you know, the medical industry, you know, medical devices, you know, if, if kids thought about, well, some of these manufacturing processes are saving people's lives, they're, they're enabling people to have new hips or new, you know, uh, you know, things that can, you know, increase the quality of life, 
you know, we all know somebody who's had a major, major illness or a, or a surgical procedure or, or you know, we, we've suffered loss. Um, you know, the medical pharmaceutical industry, manufacturing and engineering is integral to those. The environmental thing, you know, renewables, whether it's recycling, what, you know, all, all of these things that benefit the planet, that benefit us in society and in our day-to-day -day lives can't function without manufacturing and engineering. So like you say, it's getting that message across, isn't it? It's getting them, getting them to think a little bit differently. And in that, I, I mean, as you said, the manufacturers and, and engineering businesses themselves, it's, they're, they're, they're pretty good at, well, they're fantastic at making stuff. They're pretty good at articulating themselves to their customers but to the outside world yeah. i think there's a gap there and it's you know we, we we do bang on i bang on a lot about the schools and the parents you know this is why we've got a problem getting more youngsters into manufacturing i think it's also you know manufacturing has got to do a bit more as well to to look at that side of things not just focus on their own industry but it's that talent pipeline it's the the early doors we've got to get people interested and get manufacturing even on the radar to begin with um so i was going to ask you what what in your opinion what what can uk manufacturing do to help the design and technology association in in your mission to help them where, where, where do you think the gaps are and what, what do you think needs to be done we can we can't have enough companies coming forward to say we want to work with you i mean that's the first step okay. no if any company uh, out there, or any 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 director, any uh, engineer, or whatever it might be out there listening, watching this now, thinking, well, that's all well and good, but how do I get involved? Well, the first step is, you know, our website is designtechnology.org.uk. Um, there's a contact on there. Just contact us. Yeah. Uh, tell us you're interested. It doesn't commit you to anything. Um, uh, you'll get a phone call from myself or from Ryan Ball or one of the other team. Uh, and we'll just say, what do you want to achieve? What, what, you know, what are your goals? What do you want to do? Um, and we'll then work with you to try and make that happen. Now, uh, you know, people quite often say, well, I've got a limited amount of time. You know, it's our day business is we've got to reach these targets. We've got to reach this budget. We've got to yeah. do this. I can't afford to spend one day a week or whatever. And we wouldn't expect that. So we, one of the questions we'll ask is how much time have you got? You know, if you if you're saying somebody's got three hours a week to put on this, great. Let's work out something that will work on three hours a week that's going to give you more impact with schools than you've got now. Okay. Uh, if somebody else comes and says, well, you know, I've got somebody here that is a graduate, and I want them to have a day a month on this or whatever it might be, we'll work something out there. We'll work a program out there. So, the first step is to to contact us. The, the second step is, and we're working with, with, with Make UK, uh, we're working with the IET as well in order to, to try to get a unified voice behind this, is government, whatever colour of government that might be next year, yep. uh, they need to recognise that manufacturing, engineering, design, these things we've always been good at, we've always punched above our weight. There is an assumption by some people in government that that will always happen, even if we can continue to ignore them. So we'll ignore that sector. If we take design, if we take manufacturing and if we take engineering, one in eight people in the country are employed in one of those sectors. It puts in over 600 billion to GDP. It's massive. So we can't afford to ignore it. So, the other thing that people can do is say, look, you know, we're, we're quite happy. We want our voice. 
to be heard. We want government, we want to put our logo on your website that says, we really value this subject. We want this subject to be given more time, yeah. more space on curriculum, and we want every school to be to be teaching this, not just schools that fancy it. So it's that it's that political movement as well, because I think there was an argument that government, again, of whatever colour, will say, well, Designer Technology Association, they would say that, wouldn't they? That's their job. Yeah. But when, when industry starts saying, you know what, we need this because we need the talent pipeline, we need people coming through, then that's when government starts listening. Absolutely. So the key, the key word there, as always, I think, is collaboration and and talking, talking to people. There's a lot of different associations, trade bodies, um, membership groups, you know, individual businesses. Pretty much everybody's talking about the same issues, yet I, I still see quite a lot of fragmentation up and down the country in industry in general, you know, whether it's manufacturing, engineering or, or, or whatever, you know, they're every, everybody's trying to do the best job possible. I know that for an absolute fact, but I think the overall effort, certainly when it, when it comes to, you know, getting a little bit more support from the government, I think there needs to be a little bit more sort of coming together and, maybe organizations reaching out and and sort of buddying up where they might not usually you know can be a bit awkward a bit painful but um they always say yeah man and manufacturers will always say people don't like change manufacturing changes all the time and manufacturers don't have to get a bee in their bonnet when their staff don't want to change <laughs> but then i think the whole you know the whole conversation it's everybody just needs to come together for the for the common aim and that might involve acting a little bit differently when it comes to working with other similar organizations or other similar businesses. Let it's, me give you um, a positive though, Jeff, let me give you a positive. Like if, I was, if I was going back before COVID and, I, and we were reaching out with, with our blueprint initiative, et cetera, to industry. Yeah. And we were saying, look, we can work with you and we can connect you with schools. What we were hearing a lot before COVID was that's not really our job. That's government's job. It's schools. Mm. It's not really our job. We're not hearing that anymore. We're hearing industry now saying, you know what, we need to roll our sleeves up. We need yeah. to get we need to get we need to get some skin in the game here now. How do we do that? How do we work with you? How can, how can you help us? There's been a I think a, a mind shift over COVID that yep. you know we can make this happen ourselves. We don't have to wait for somebody else to come and wave a wand. We can we can do this. So from our perspective, you know, we've we've had a, over three hundred companies approach us in the last year and say wow. we want we want to work with you. Yeah. We, want, we want your help to enable us to do this. I don't think that would have happened before COVID. I think there's been a mind shift there that, that people yeah. are thinking, let's fix it. Let's let's get it sorted. Well, lots to be uh lots to be positive for and hopeful for going into the going into the new year then, 2024. Hopefully manufacturing is turning a bit of a corner, especially after the autumn statement. Lots of good stuff, loads of support out there if you know where to look. And obviously the Design and Technology Association is one of those places uh in the overall jigsaw that's gonna, you know, that's gonna get the finished uh the finished picture there for everybody. So uh that pretty much uh wraps up today's discussion in in this episode. So thank you for joining me, uh Tony. It's been a real pleasure to to learn about the the DTA. Clearly you've you've got a passion. And what I love about you is that you've you, you've been on both sides of the fence as well. You're, you're from 
an education teaching background as well. And now you're, you know, you're that sort of linchpin, you know, being the, the benefit for, uh, for UK manufacturing. So keep up the great work. Amazing. Thanks for inviting me on. What I didn't share was I spent seven years in industry before I went into education as well. So I've done that. There you as go. Well. So that little bit all together, it does make a difference. Uh, if Absolutely. You there, a difference. Thanks, Jeff. Thank yeah, you. no, you're very welcome. So there we go. Another episode of Insights for Manufacturing comes to a close. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Look out for the next episode that will be coming out shortly on YouTube and Spotify. So that's about it. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye bye.